0: SECTION SEVENTEEN OF THE GREAT EVENTS BY FAMOUS HISTORIANS, VOLUME FOUR. THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING. ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. FOR MORE INFORMATION, OR TO VOLUNTEER, PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG. RECORDING BY LARRY WILSON. THE GREAT EVENTS BY FAMOUS HISTORIANS, VOLUME FOUR. EDITED BY CHARLES F. HORNE, ROSSITOR JOHNSON, AND JOHN RUDD augustine's missionary work in england a d 597 by the venerable bede st augustine was the first archbishop of canterbury he was educated in rome under pope gregory i by whom he was sent to britain with forty monks of the benedictine order for the purpose of converting the english to christianity bertha wife of ethelbert king of kent was a christian she was a daughter of Charibert, king of paris and had brought her chaplain with her, who held services in the ruined church of St. Martin, near Canterbury. There seemed little prospect, however, of the faith spreading among the wild islanders until Augustine arrived on the Isle of Thanet, A.D. 596. The occasion of his being sent on this missionary errand is said to have been connected with an incident which has often been related, wherein it appears that Gregory, while yet a monk, Struck with the beauty of some heathen Anglo-Saxon youths, exposed for sale in the slave market at Rome, inquired concerning their nationality. Being told that they were Angles, he said, "Non Angli, sed Angeli, not Angles but angels." And well may for their angel-like faces it becometh such to be co-heirs with the angels in heaven. In what province of England do they live? Deira was the reply. From Deira, God's wrath, are they to be freed? answered gregory how call ye the king of that country elah then alleluia surely ought to be sung in his kingdom to the praise of that god who created all things said the gracious and clever monk the conversion of the english to christianity says freeman at once altered their whole position in the world hitherto our history had been almost wholly insular our heathen forefathers had had but little to do either in war or peace with any nations beyond their own four seas we hear little of any connection being kept up between the angles and saxons who settled in britain and their kinsfolks who abode in their original country by his conversion england was first brought not only within the pale of the christian church but within the pale of the general political society of europe but our insular position combined with the events of our earlier history was not without its effect on the peculiar character of christianity as established in england england was the first great territorial conquest of the spiritual power beyond the limits of the roman empire beyond the influence of greek and roman civilization the following account from the ecclesiastical history of the venerable bede the father of english history and foremost scholar of england in his age is in the modern english rendering by thomas of king alfred's famous translation made for the instruction of the english people as the best work of that period on their own history as a contrast john richard green's treatment of the same episode is appended the venerable bede when according to fourth running time it was about five hundred and ninety-two years from christ's hither coming mauritius the emperor took to the government and had it two and twenty years he was the fifty-fourth from augustus in the tenth year of that emperor's reign gregory the holy man who was in lore indeed the highest took to the bishophood of the roman church and of the apostolic seat and held and governed it thirteen years and six months and ten days in the fourteenth year of the same emperor about a hundred and fifty years from the english nations hither coming into britain he was admonished by a divine impulse that he should send god's servant augustine and many other monks with him fearing the lord to preach god's word to the english nation when they obeyed the bishop's commands, and began to go to the mentioned work, and had gone some deal of the way, then began they to fear, and dread the journey, and thought that it was wiser and safer for them that they should rather return home than seek the barbarous people, and the fierce and unbelieving, even whose speech they knew not, and in common chose this advice to themselves, and then straightway sent Augustine, whom they had chosen for the bishop, if their doctrines should be received, to the Pope, that he might humbly intercede for them, that they might not need to go upon a journey so perilous and so toilsome, and a pilgrimage so unknown. Then St. Gregory sent a letter to them, and exhorted and advised them in that letter, that they should humbly go into the work of God's word, and trust in God's help, and that they should not fear the toil of the journey, nor dread the tongues of evil-speaking men, but that with all earnestness, and with the love of god they should perform the good things which they by god's help had begun to do and that they should now know that the great toil would be followed by the greater glory of everlasting life and he prayed almighty god that he would shield them by his grace and that he would grant to himself that he might see the fruit of their labor in the heavenly kingdom's glory because he was ready to be in the same labor with them if leave had been given him then augustine was strengthened by the exhortation of the blessed father gregory and with christ's servants who were with him returned to the work of god's word and came into britain then was at that time ethelbert king in kent and a mighty one who had rule as far as the boundary of the river humber which sheds asunder the south folk of the english nation and the north folk then there is on the eastward of kent a great island thanet by name which is six hundred hides large after the english nation's reckoning the isle is shed away from the continuous land by the stream Wantsim, which is three furlongs broad and in two places is affordable and either end lies in the sea on this isle came up christ's servant augustine and his fellows he was one of forty they likewise took with them interpreters from franklin france as st gregory bade them and he sent messengers to ethelbert and let him know that he came from rome and brought the best errand and whosoever would be obedient to him he promised him everlasting gladness in heaven and a kingdom hereafter without end with the true and living god when he then the king heard these words then ordered he them to abide in the isle on which they had come up and their necessaries to be there given them until he should see what he would do to them likewise before that a report of the christian religion had come to him for he had a christian wife was given to him from the royal kin of the franks bertha was her name which woman he received from her parents on condition that he should have his leave that she might hold the manner of the christian belief and of her religion unspotted with the bishop whom they gave her for the help of that faith whose name was ludhard then it was after many days that the king came to the isle and ordered to make a seat for him out of doors and ordered augustine with his fellows to come to his speech a conference he guarded himself lest they should go into any house to him he used the old greeting in case they had any magic whereby they should overcome and deceive him but they came endowed not with devilcraft, but with divine might they bore christ's rude token a silver cross of christ and a likeness of the lord jesus colored and delineated on a board and were crying the names of holy men and singing prayers together made supplication to the lord for the everlasting health of themselves and of those to whom they come then the king bade them sit and they did so and they soon preached and taught the word of life to him together with all his peers who were there present then answered the king and thus said fair words and promises are these which ye brought and say to us but because they are new and unknown we cannot yet agree that we should forsake the things which we for a long time with all the english nation have held but because ye have come hither as pilgrims from afar and since it seems and is evident to me that ye wish to communicate to us also the things which ye believe true and best we will not therefore be heavy to you but will kindly receive you in hospitality and give you a livelihood and supply your needs nor will we hinder you from joining and adding to the religion of your belief all whom you can through your lore then the king gave them a dwelling and a place in canterbury which was the chief city of all his kingdom and as he had promised to give them a livelihood and their worldly needs he likewise gave them leave that they might preach and teach the christian faith it is said that when they went and drew nigh to the city as their custom was with christ's holy cross and with the likeness of the great king our lord jesus christ they sung with a harmonious voice this litany and antiphony etc we beseech thee lord in all thy mercy that thy fury and thy wrath be taken off from this city and from thy holy house because we have sinned alleluia then it was soon after they had entered into the dwelling place which had been granted to them in the royal city when they began to imitate the apostolic life of the primitive church that is served the lord in constant prayers in waking and fasting and preached and taught god's word to whom they might and slighted all things of this world as foreign. But those things only which were seen to be needful for their livelihood, they received from those whom they taught. According to that which they taught, they themselves through everything lived, and they had a ready mind to suffer adversity, yea, likewise death itself, for the truth which they preached and taught. Then was no delay that many believed, and were baptized they also wondered at the simplicity of their harmless life and the sweetness of their heavenly lore there was by east well nigh the city a church built in honour of st martin long ago while the romans yet dwelt in britain in which church the queen was wont to pray of whom we said before that she was a christian in this church at first the holy teachers began to meet and sing and pray and do mass song and teach men and baptize until the king was converted to the faith and they obtained more leave to teach everywhere and to build and repair churches then came it about through the grace of god that the king likewise among others began to delight in the cleanest life of holy men and their sweetest promises and they also gave confirmation that those were true by the showing of many wonders and he then being glad was baptized then began many daily to hasten and flock together to hear god's word and to forsake the manner of heathenism and joined themselves through belief to the oneness of christ's holy church of their belief in conversion it is said that the king was so evenly glad that he however forced none of the christian manner of worship but that those who turned to belief in baptism he more inwardly loved as they were fellow citizens of the heavenly kingdom for he had learnt from his teachers and from the authors of his health that christ's service should be of good will not of compulsion and he then the king gave and granted to his teachers a place and settlement suitable to their conditions in his chief city and hitherto gave their needful supplies in various possessions during these things the holy man augustine fared over sea and came to the city Arles, and by Etherius, archbishop of the said city according to the behest and commandment of the blessed father st gregory was hallowed archbishop of the english people and returned and fared into britain and soon sent messengers to rome that was lawrence a mass priest and peter a monk that they should say and make known to the blessed saint gregory that the english nation had received christ's belief and that he had been consecrated as bishop he likewise requested his advice about many causes and questions which were seen by him to be needful and he soon sent suitable answers of them asked by saint augustine bishop of the church of canterbury first of bishops how they shall behave and live with their fellows next on the gifts of the faithful which they bring to holy tables and to god's churches how many doles of them shall be answered by pope st gregory holy writ makes it known quoth he which i have no doubt thou knowest and sunderly the blessed paul's epistle which he wrote to timothy in which he earnestly trained and taught him how he should behave and do in god's house for it is the manner of the apostolic seat the hallow bishops that they give them commandments and that of all the livelihood which comes into them there shall be four doles one in the first place to the bishop and his family for food and entertainment of guests and comers a second dole to god's servants a third to the needy the fourth to the renewing and repair of god's church but because thy brotherliness has been trained and taught in monastic rules thou shalt not however be asunder from thy fellows in the english church which now yet is newly come and led to the faith of god this behaviour in this life thou shalt set up which our fathers had in the beginning of the new-born church when none of them said aught of that which they owned was his in sunder but they all had all things common if then any priests or god's servants are settled without holy orders let those who cannot withhold themselves from women take them wives and receive their livelihood outside for the same fathers of whom we spoke before it is written that they dealt with their worldly goods to sundry men as every one had need likewise concerning their livelihood it is to be thought and foreseen i.e. provided that they live in good manners under ecclesiastical rules and sing psalms and keep wakes and hold their hearts and tongues and bodies clean from all forbidden things to almighty god but as to those living in common life what have we to say how they deal their alms or exercise hospitality and fulfill mercy since all that is left over in their worldly substance is to be reached and given to the pious and the good as the master of all our lord jesus christ taught and said quod super rest, etc what is over and left give alms and to you are all things clean asked by saint augustine since there is one faith and our various customs of churches there is one custom of mass song in the holy roman church and another is had in the kingdom of gaul answered the pope saint gregory thou thyself knowest the manner and custom of the roman church in which thou wert reared and now it seems good and is more agreeable to me that whatsoever thou hast found either in the roman church or in gaul or in any other church that was more pleasing to almighty god thou should carefully choose that and set it to be held fast in the church of the english nation which now yet is new in the faith for the things are not to be loved for places but the places for good things therefore what things thou choosest as pious good and right from each of sundry churches these gather thou together and settle into a custom in the mind of the english nation asked by augustine i pray thee what punishment shall he suffer whosoever takes away anything by stealth from a church answered by gregory this may thy brotherliness determine from the thefts condition how he may be corrected for there are some who have worldly wealth and yet commit theft there are some who are in this wise guilty through poverty therefore need is that some be corrected by warning of their worldly goods some by stripes some more sternly some more mildly And though the punishment be inflicted a little harder or sterner yet it is to be done in love not of wrath nor of fury because through the throes of this is procured to the man that he be not given to the everlasting fires of hell torments for in this manner we ought to punish men as the good fathers are wont to do their fleshly children whom they chide and swinge for their sins and yet those same whom they chide and chastise by these pains they also love and wish to have for their heirs, and for them to hold their worldly goods which they possess, whom they seem in anger to persecute and torment. For love is ever to be held in the mind, and it dictates and determines the measure of the chastisement, so that the mind does nothing at all beside the right rule. Thou likewise addest to thy inquiry how those things should be compensated, which have been taken away from the church by theft but oh far be it that god's church should receive with increase what she seems to let alone of earthly things and seek worldly gain by vain things asked by bishop st augustine at what generation shall christian people be joined among themselves in marriage with their kinsfolk answered by st gregory but because there are many in the english nation who while they were then yet in unbelief are said to have been joined together in this sinful marriage now they are to be admonished since they have come to the faith that they hold themselves off from such iniquities and understand that it is a heavy sin and dread the awful doom of god lest they for fleshly love receive the torments of everlasting death they are not however for this cause to be deprived of the communion of christ's body and blood lest this thing may seem to be revenged on them in which they through unwittingness sin before a baptism for at this time the holy church corrects some things through zeal bears with some things through mildness overlooks some through consideration and so bears and overlooks that often by bearing and overlooking she checks the opposing evil all those who come to the faith of christ are to be reminded that they may not dare to commit any such thing but if any shall commit them then they are to be deprived of christ's body of blood for some little is to be borne with in regard to those men who through unwittiness commit sin so on the other hand it is to be strongly pursued in those who dread not to sin wittingly asked by bishop st augustine if a great distance of journey lies between so that bishops may not easily come whether many bishops be hallowed without the presence of other bishops answered by gregory in the english church indeed in which thou alone as yet art found a bishop thou canst not hallow a bishop otherwise than without other bishops but bishops must come to thee out of the kingdom of gaul that they may stand as witnesses at the bishop's hallowing for the hallowing of bishops must not be otherwise than in the assembling and witnessing of three or four bishops that they may send up and pour forth their petitions and prayers to the almighty god for his favour asked by st augustine how must we do with bishops of gaul in britain answered by pope gregory over the bishops of gaul we give thee no authority because from the earlier times of my predecessors the bishops of the city earls received the pallium whom we ought not to degrade nor to deprive of the received authority but if thou happen to go into the province of gaul have thou a conference and consultation with the said bishop what is to be done or if any vices are found in bishops how they shall be corrected and reformed and if there be a supposition that he is too lukewarm in the vigour of his discipline and chastisement then he is to be inflamed and abetted by thy brotherliness's love that he may ward off those things which are contrary to the behest and commands of our maker from the manners of the bishops thou mayst not judge the bishops of gaul without their own authority but thou shalt mildly admonish them and show them the imitation of thy good works. All the bishops of Britain we commend to thy brotherliness, in order that the unlearned may be taught, the weak strengthened by thy exhortation, and the perverse corrected by thy authority. Augustine likewise bade his messengers acquaint him that a great harvest was here present, and few workmen. And he then sent with the aforesaid messengers more help to him for divine learning, among whom the first and greatest were miletus and justus and paulinus and rufinianus and by them generally all things which were needful for the worship and service of the church communion vessels altar cloth and church ornaments and bishops robes and deacons robes and also relics of the apostles and holy martyrs and many books he likewise sent to augustine the bishop a pallium and a letter in which he intimated how he should hallow other bishops and in what places he should set them in britain the blessed pope gregory likewise at the same time sent a letter to king ethelbert and along with it many worldly gifts of divers sorts he wished likewise by these temporal honors to glorify the king to whom he had by his labor and by his diligence and teaching opened and made known the glory of the heavenly kingdom and then saint augustine as soon as he received the bishop's seat in the royal city renewed and wrought with the king's help the church which he had learnt was wrought long before by old roman work and hallowed it in the name of our lord jesus christ and he there set a dwelling-place for himself and all his after-followers he likewise built a monastery by east of the city in which ethelbert the king by his exhortation and advice ordered to build a church worthy of the blessed apostles peter and paul and he enriched it with various gifts in which church the body of augustine and of all the canterbury bishops together and other kings might be laid the church however not augustine but bishop laurentius his after follower hallowed the first abbot at the same monastery was a mass priest named peter who was sent back as a messenger into the kingdom of gaul and then was drowned in a bay of the sea which was called Amphleet, and was laid in an unbecoming grave by the inhabitants of the place but the almighty god would show of what merit the holy man was and every night a heavenly light was made to shine over his grave until his neighbors who saw it understood that it was a great and holy man who was buried there and then they asked who and whence he was they then took his body and laid and buried it in a church in the city of boulogne with the honor befitting so great and so holy a man then it was that augustine with the help of king ethelbert invited to his speech the bishops and teachers of the britons in the place which is yet named augustine's oak on the borders of the Witchy and west saxons and he then began with brotherly love to advise and teach them that they should have right love and peace between them and undertake for the lord the common labor of teaching divine lore in the english nation and they would not hear him nor keep easter at its right tide and also had many other things unlike and contrary to ecclesiastical unity, when they had held a long conference and strife about those things, and they would not yield any things to Augustine's instructions, nor to his prayers, nor to his threats, and those of his companions, but thought their own customs and institutions better than that they should agree with all Christ's churches throughout the world. Then the Holy Father Augustine put an end to this troublesome strife, and thus spoke. Let us pray, Almighty God, who makes the one-minded to dwell in his Father's house, that he vouchsafe to signify us, by heavenly wonders, which institution we ought to follow, by what ways to hasten to the entrance of his kingdom. Let an infirm man be brought hither to us, and through whose prayer soever he be healed, let his belief and practice be believed acceptable to God, and to be followed by all. When his adversaries had hardly granted that, A blind man of english kin was led forth he was first led to the bishops of the britons and he received no health nor comfort through their ministry then at last augustine was constrained by righteous need arose and bowed his knees and prayed god the almighty father that he would give sight to the blind man that he through one man's bodily enlightening might kindle the gift of ghostly light in the hearts of many faithful then soon without delay the blind man was enlightened And received sight and the true preacher of the heavenly light Augustine was proclaimed and praised by all then the Britons also acknowledged with shame that they understood that it was the way of truth which Augustine preached they said however that they could not without consent and leave of their people shun and forsake their old customs they begged that again another synod should be assembled and they then would attend it with more counselors when that accordingly was set seven bishops of the britons came and all the most learned men who were chiefly from the city of bangor at that time the abbot of that monastery was named Deneth. when they then were going to the meeting they first came to a certain hermit who was with them holy and wise they interrogated and asked him whether they should for augustine's lore forsake their own institutions and customs then answered he them if he be a man of god follow him quoth they to him how may we know whether he be so quoth he our lord himself hath said in his gospel take ye my yoke upon you and learn from me that i am mild and of lowly heart and now if augustine is mild and of lowly heart then it is to be believed that he bears christ's yoke and teaches you to bear it if he then is unmild and haughty then it is known that he is not from god nor should ye mind his words. Quoth they again? How may we know that distinctly? Quoth he? See ye that he come first to the synod with his fellows, and sit. And if he rises toward you when ye come, then wit ye that he is Christ's servant, and ye shall humbly hear his words and his lore. But if he despise you, and will not rise toward you, since there are more of you, be he then despised by you well they did so as he said when they had come to the ascended place the archbishop augustine was sitting on his seat when they saw that he rose not for them they quickly became angry and upbraided him as being haughty and gainsaid and withstood all his words the archbishop said to them in many things ye are contrary to our custom and so to those of all god's churches and yet if ye will be obedient to me in these three things that first ye celebrate easter at the right tide that ye fulfil the ministry of baptism through which we are born as god's children after the manner of the holy roman and apostolic church and that thirdly ye preach the word of the lord to the english people together with us we will patiently bear with all other things which ye do that are contrary to our customs they said that they would do none of these things nor would have him for an archbishop they said among themselves If he would not now rise for us, much more if we shall be subjected to him, he will contemn us for naught. It is said that the man of God, St. Augustine, in a threatening manner foretold, if they would not receive peace with men of God, that they should receive unpeace and war from their foes, and if they would not preach among the English race the word of life, they should through their hands suffer the vengeance of death and through everything as the man of god had foretold by a righteous doom of god it came to pass and very soon after this ethelfrith king of the english collected a great army and led it to Legcaster, and there fought against the britons and made the greatest slaughter of the faithless people while he was beginning the battle king ethelfrith saw their priests and bishops and monks standing aloof in a safer place that they should pray and make intercession to god for their warriors he inquired and asked what the host was and what they were doing there when he understood the cause of their coming then he said so i wot if they cry to their god against us that they bear not a weapon they fight against us for they pursue us with their hostile prayers and curses he then straightway ordered to turn upon them first and slay them men say that there were twelve hundred of this host and fifty of them escaped by flight and he so then destroyed and blotted out the other host of the sinful nation not without great waning of his own host and so was fulfilled the prophecy of the holy bishop augustine that they should for their trollessness suffer the vengeance of temporal perdition because they despised the skilful counsel of their eternal salvation after these things augustine bishop of britain hallowed two bishops the one was named miletus the other justus Miletus he sent to preach divine lore to the East Saxons, who are shed off from Kentland by the River Thames, and joined to the East Sea. Their chief city is called Londoncaster, now London, standing on the bank of the foresaid River, and it is the marketplace of the land and sea comers. The king in the nation at that time was Sebright or Sabert, Ethelbert's sister-son, and his vassal. Then he and the nation of the East Saxons received the word of truth and the faith of christ through miletus the bishop's lore then king ethelbert ordered to build a church in london and to hallow it to saint paul the apostle that he and his after-followers might have their bishop seat in that place justice he hallowed as bishop in kent itself at rochester which is four and twenty miles right west from canterbury in which city likewise king ethelbert ordered to build the church and to hallow it to saint andrew the apostle and to each of these bishops the king gave his gifts of bookland and possessions for them to brook with their fellows after these things then father augustine beloved of god departed this life and his body was buried without doors nigh the church of the blessed apostles peter and paul which we mentioned before because it was not then yet fully built nor hallowed as soon as it was hallowed then his body was put into it and becomingly buried in the north porch of the church in which likewise the bodies of all the after-following archbishops are buried but two that is theodorus and berthwald whose bodies are laid in the church itself because no more might be so in the foresaid porch well nigh in the middle of the church is an altar set and hallowed in the name of st gregory on which every saturday their memory and decease are celebrated with mass sung by the mass-priest of that place on st augustine's tomb is written an inscription of this sort here resteth sir augustine the first archbishop of canterbury who was formerly sent hither by the blessed gregory bishop of the roman city and was upheld by god with working of wonders king ethelbert and his people he led from the worship of idols to the faith of christ and having fulfilled the days of his ministry in peace departed on the twenty-sixth day of may in the same king's reign End of section seventeen.